Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Peacock. I love it. It's streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals. It's The Office. That's what she said. Chrisley knows best. It's going to be Todd's Way or the Highway. And Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Holy mackinole. So whether you're in the mood for every live WWE pay-per-view or every episode of Law & Order SVU, Peacock's got you covered. Peacock. Watch for free. Upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Mirror man, mirror man. You twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good afternoon and welcome to an On The Whistle podcast. I am joined today by the one, the only, Matt Candela. How you doing, Matt? Very good, very good. In, uh, in good spirits now after after another three points. Season is, uh, well, I wouldn't say it's back on track, but it might be. On it's, the not it's, it's not, not track. off track. It's not off track. It's not off track. It's not off track. And that is a key difference. Um, Matt, before we get into the podcast, um, talk me through the beautiful Arsenal shirt that you're wearing. You've got the, the flash. Uh, how does it make you feel uh, when you go out? Do people comment on it? It's a pretty sexy shirt and very athleisure-like. Well, these uh, these Adidas shirts have sort of been the highlight of the last couple of years, which says something about the quality of what we've been watching on the pitch. And yeah. I sort of feared for it because I was obviously delighted when it came through. And I put it on uh, when uh, in the first sort of two or three games. And obviously I was worried it was a bad luck charm. So it didn't come out uh, for the Norwich game, but I bought it out today. And, and hopefully it's, it's been proven it's not jinxed. And um, and maybe it will see some 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 good times this season after all. It is uh, it is really nice. I like it. So I'm glad that you're wearing that for the show. I might buy one for myself at some point. All right, Matt. So we've got so much stuff to get through today because uh, the the Burnley game was like a mini cup final. Because if Arteta loses that, I think he loses the faith of the fans. Important for us to continue building momentum. So I want to go straight to you and ask you, what is your hottest of takes on the Burnley game? What, what's the vibe? Well, I think um, I, I read somewhere that 
no team in Premier League history has ever got more points in September than Arsenal. <laughs> and, really? And, 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 and so we've really just followed up with that, with that really important win against Norwich. We had to win today because we've got the scum next week. So we had to get three points. And we knew exactly what we were going to get. And when I saw the team lineup, I was a little bit anxious, not because I didn't like it in theory or on paper, but I was thinking there is a real danger that we could get overrun in midfield. And I'm not sure that Partey, uh, sort of on paper, on his own, uh, in, a, in a defensive role in midfield, is necessarily the right way to go away from home. It feels like something you do against lesser teams at home. Um, but it just about worked and we found enough to get the win, albeit with one moment of magic rather than maybe a, a sort of a cohesive, coherent attacking performance, which we definitely didn't get. But, you know, it's not easy to win away at Burnley. And I think no. you just have to take the three points and go, not every team is going to win there. And and we, and we did really, really well to, to get the result. And we looked like... I wouldn't say we look, we, we, I'd say we probably the realistic uh, appraisal would be we looked like a top six, top eight team um, in that game, which was uh, a relief because we looked like, progress. We looked like relegation for yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, my yeah, I'm 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 living with you in the in the hot take. Look, the the start of the season was absolutely diabolical. I think the thing there there were a number of things that I was looking for today because it's never going to be easy against Burnley. It's really difficult to to go away to that ground in that atmosphere and roll them, uh, and especially as like they're a very experienced side. They're the oldest team uh, in the Premier League. Loads of shithousery experience. And what the things that I was looking for uh, can we continue to progress our game? Um, do the players that look good against Norwich look good against seasoned Premier League? opposition and the real thing that I think I was looking for today was uh, does this team fight are they battlers because there's a lot of young players and I think like young fresh-faced they don't look like uh they don't look like fighters Ben White doesn't look like the sort of guy who's going to go to to battle for you he looks like a sort of guy who likes nice pristine conditions to play in and it's like how is he going to play against um a rough Burley side and my, my hot take is I think, you know, we passed with flying colours. I think you messaged me um, in the first half and you were like, we are not being bullied. We are refusing to, to get bullied. And actually, as the game went on, we got rougher as a team. Like, our, our, like we were more um, aggressive. We really stood up to the challenge. Um, and we'll get into individual performances because I think there were a few of them. The, the, the main concern coming out of it for me, is that the our play in the final third is much, much better, but it's just off. It's just like 5% off, which is, uh, again, we're talking about progressing from relegation, but like th- this time last season, we had no clue in the final third. At the moment, we've got a clue, but like, the you know, a lot of passing the ball behind Pepe, a lot of like, you know, just mistimed passes, bad decisions, but I think those decisions will get better. And that difference between a top eight team and a top four team is decision making in the final third? I think so. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's maybe being a little bit generous around the quality that we're showing in the final third at the moment. I mean, what were we looking for? We were saying what we were saying throughout that like calamitous first three games was it's all going to be different defensively when Ben White and Gabriel come in. Yeah. And so far, they've come in, and you know what? It looks a lot better. So that's good. 
We yes. said our midfield is going to be way better when Partey's back and he's, he can he can marshal that defence. And, and, and I think we'll, we'll get onto it, I'm sure, at some point. But we look better, I think, without a Xhaka in there. So, so that's positive. But for me, there's no connection between the front three and the rest of the team at the moment. And it feels like our our play essentially ends when when someone of our front three gets the ball because there, there doesn't seem to be any interplay or uh, chemistry between or understanding about what should happen next. And you know, in the first half, we kept on seeing that ball out to the left to the left flank and Tierney, Tierney with Tierney on it. But and it, when it comes inside, or even when the ball comes in, it just feels like such a ineffective waste of time. Uh, in terms of like a, a piece of structural play, and you know all all three Pepe, Obama, Yang, Saka, Smith Rowe when he was in those sort of wide inverted forward positions, all of them were. I mean, I mean honestly, they, they were all poor, and I don't think I don't think I, I don't think we can say we're five percent off. I think we can say we've got no idea how the front's going to click at the moment, and really that's why we relied on a moment of magic from Odegaard and. That was wonderful, but but yeah, I, I don't know what we're doing on, in, in that in that forward play. It feels like something structural rather than something from a player performance perspective. It feels like every time one of the front three get the ball, they feel isolated and they feel like they've always got men on them. Whereas when you when when we're playing other teams, it always feels like their players have options. They've got runners, and 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 I don't I don't I don't I I don't have the the tactical understanding to know what the problem is, but I think it, well, they're clearly talented players, so it, it's something to do with the system. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, when I was watching, when I've been watching us all, all this season and actually in preseason, sometimes I feel like uh, the team plays like they've got another striker there. The team plays balls into the box like it's Calvert Lewin. It's like we're 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 playing football for the striker we don't have. Sometimes, yeah, and it, I mean, you know, just, like yeah, Obama Yang is not is not getting on the end of crosses. He's no, you, gonna... you feel like our, our system is built for a Lukaku, where and and we saw it when we played Chelsea. They can just roll that ball into him, and then dart around him and make these little runs. And Obama Yang always needs the ball in behind, and we just don't really seem to be playing that that kind of football at the moment. I can't really recall the last time we played that sort of through ball darting run forward play uh, that we're built for. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's sort of weird. And I was thinking this morning, it feels like maybe next summer is the moment where we have to go out and spend 70, 80 million on a striker to fit this system. Because I think, you know, I, I still believe Aubameyang can score a decent amount of goals this season, but I'm beginning to think that the system is not, he's not the right player for this system. Yeah, but... Uh, you know, on the on the positive front, like there was um, there was some really nice counter attacking play, which should have uh, you know released Obama Yang. There was a you know a lot a lot of times the passes going into Nicolas Pepe were, were behind him, so he he could have he could have run onto the ball. There were just a few moments where we got into great positions, and like that final ball wasn't as good as it could have been. And it's not because the players are poor. It's just because I, I don't think they've found their form 
at the moment. Like I, I, I was quite happy with a lot of the positions that we were taking up. Completely agree with you that I don't think Aubameyang is is the end game for this system. I mean, I was just looking at some of the stats um, after the game, and uh, you know, mainly looking to see if Ben White could head the ball. But uh, Chris Chris Wood um, got into nine aerial duels today. Ashley Barnes got into seven. Aubameyang got into one. There was one situation where he got into a, a duel uh, and he didn't win it. And it's, uh, you know, like this this Tierney strategy doesn't really pay dividends. And I, I don't know why we keep on doing it. Like Tierney down the left, he gets into the great positions, but the final ball is always bad. So The, final, um, the finals ball, yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting a little bit fed up of it, to be honest, because it's not great to watch. It's not effective. And it doesn't seem to work for for our team. One thing I would just would just talk about is, um, which I was really impressed by the way Burnley do it is, how do they win so many second balls? Because yeah. all game they just managed to pick up all the second balls, and I'm just wondering what is it about their profile of player that allows them to do it? Every ball that got headed out fell to a Burnley player versus an Arsenal player, and 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 I thought that was really quite impressive from them. I mean, they, they then hoof it and it's pretty shit after that. But there's something about their ability to, to, to pick up second balls and our lack of ability on second balls. And it's sort of weird because we've got quite an athletic profile now, but I'd be interested in the stats on that because it felt like we didn't really get many many of them. What did you, uh, what, what did you make of Martin Odegaard? Um, oh, I, I, I thought he was wonderful. Uh, I thought he was... I thought he was our best player, especially in the first half. Um, and I think we've got just an absolute Rolls Royce of a player. And if he can start putting free kicks like that in the, and, Beautiful. Uh, on, on a regular basis, but he, he, he's, he's, he's fantastic. The own, and, and it didn't make me go, what the hell were we doing before we had Odegaard and Smith Rowe last December? No, no, no wonder everything was falling apart because you know, you've got zero creativity my challenge, which I'm hoping that Arteta is going to solve, and, and I'm hoping that he doesn't see it as an issue, is I do wonder how Odegaard and Smith Rowe fit into the same team sometimes. And I don't want it to turn into the sort of Gerard Lampard of the England team of, you know, the 2000s, because they're both really, really good players. But I did feel that having Odegaard there meant that Smith Rowe was definitely more on the periphery of the game. He, he, he's definitely not feeling like the number 10 of Arsenal demanding the ball. And they're both sort of fulfilling that role. And they're both sort of an eight and they're both sort of a 10, but neither one being best uh, in either way. So I'm interested to get your perspective on the Smith Rowe word. I mean, I think it's always been there, that tension, but we saw it. We saw it work well when we played Spurs last year and we beat them. And right. Smith absolutely terrorised them down down the left flank, and Odegaard was more central. So I don't know whether it's going to be a horses of courses set up where you look at all the different games, but but yeah, uh, I, be- I actually I, I I think that the the main reason that Smith Rowe struggled today is because I just don't think Smith Rowe had a particularly good game. I think he got um, I think he struggled with the physicality of the game. It was a lot of like looking for free kicks versus, you know, really trying to battle it out. And it's understandable, you know, 21 years old versus, you know, seasoned players in the late twenties that are at Burnley because they are rough. 
So I, I think that he got a little bit, um, a little bit overawed by the game today. But I, I think, I think long term, when they all start to click, because I, I don't think this, this team hasn't gelled on any level. Like there's no real partnerships or connections anywhere on the pitch at the moment. But I think um, Erdegaard and Smith Rowe have um, their nice counterbalances to each other. I think uh, Erdegaard is, uh, you know, control precision. He's all about that final ball. And I think uh, Smith Rowe, he's so good at turning, like like breaking out of a press and opening up the pitch. And I'm, I guess the hope is at some point when Saka, Erdegaard and Smith Rowe and Pepe, they start interchanging and it's effective. Because yeah. trying, to, trying to track those players all over the pitch, they're going to pull you in and out and then you've got someone that can deliver the final ball. Like Smith Rowe needs to add shooting to his game. You know, he, he got into a great position he had one, 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 one decent effort, I think. It yeah, was, one, it was pretty good. You kind know, of, I'm kind of scuffed it. Boy, but, uh, oh, no, he had, he had the one in the first half um, when Pepe found him in the penalty area and it went over. And admittedly, again, the balls are just a little bit behind him. And on another day, that's in front of him and he can keep that under the bar. Um, but then he got played through in the second half and he didn't really get a shot off. And, you know, when you were the, we spoke about this at the start of the season. When you are a number 10 for Arsenal... There needs to be ten goals, and there needs to be twelve, thirteen assists. Yeah, right. Like that. That. That's just the facts of the matter. So he's really got a. He's he's really got to pick it up because um, I think I think he struggled today. And you know, let's let's talk about it. The star boy was not on form today. He looked. Um, I know he's not playing in the position where he's been most productive, um, but this is the the second game where he's looked a little bit out of sorts and. People are saying that it's a positional thing, but I don't think position affects your control. I think position should have really affect um, basic decision making, like passes. And I thought he was—I thought he was sloppy. I thought he—he—he um, he, he looked like uh, a, a little bit out of the game today. And my worry, Matt, and you'll remember this: um, 1998 uh, World Cup, Dennis Burkham missed a penalty. And he came back to Arsenal the following season after a great league winning season. And he just wasn't the same player. I'm pretty sure it was 1998 where he missed the penalty. But it, there was a big was, World yeah, Cup it was, hangover. It was. And it took him until I think we played uh, Villa in December that year. And we were about 10 points, seven or eight points off the lead. And then he scored a couple of goals and then went on a big run in the second half of the season. So, so yeah, the hangover is real. Yeah. Um, and... Especially for him, it was just like he was really one of the stars of the Euros that he ended up being. And um, and he had coming back to the shit show that his arsenal must be quite emotionally draining. And it sort of stopped start as well because you've got the World Cup next year. And then you've got these England get togethers where he's just so clearly so loved and all of that. So, so yeah, he needs to get his and I'm sure he will. He just needs to get focused and um, and, and make it happen. And I think. I think we've got the perfect game next week because we're going to go into the Spurs game off the back of two wins, yep. a, home, a home game. Yeah, the first home, the first North London derby with fans for a long time, I believe. Um, and I think that that's just going to make a huge amount of difference. And I think if we can make the game and and some of our offensive play work next week then it could really be the catalyst for the season. Equally, if we lose, it's going to be Arteta out and all the rest. So yeah, it's, uh, that's, it's, 
it, it, it's fine margins, like like everything in the league. Yeah, and Spurs have been in disarray this season. It's been. Well, I mean, you, know, you, I mean I, they've been in disarray, and they've got three more points than us in a game in hand. Yeah, but but you, Matt, you know, you know, sometimes that's worse. You know, like Arsenal were in disarray under Emery, but we didn't see it until his lucky run ended, and then it went completely off the rails. Spurs have not deserved most of their wins. They lost against the pub team uh, in in the Europa League, uh, and you know the great Patrick Vieira taught him a lesson last week. So, but it, you know, you go into those North London derbies, and it doesn't matter. But I think uh, you know, I, I think you're right. Like, what better way to announce yourself back on the season than a uh, than North London derby? And you know that those young Haylenders, oh, yeah. they're showing up for that. They're you know they're all going to want to be on the team sheet. Um, let's um, just before uh, this this final third mess. Is, uh, is is an interesting topic. Um, someone, someone in the in, in the comments, uh, where are you? Uh, Dunty that said, was the grass length a problem? Like it, you know, Burnley grow the grass and they don't water the pitch. But you know, that's Premier League football, and you have to be able to deal with that. So I, I think I think it's a it's a point. Um, um, maybe that's why some of the balls were going behind people, but like overall, I, I you know I don't think we can I don't think we can count that. One but, of the questions that I had though was, uh, would you ever consider seeing Smith Rowe up in the front three, um, and then and then and then his place in 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 a four three three, and then his place a bit deeper being taken by a Lukonga, for instance, and just trying to knit it together a little bit more because it feels like it's there's there's this lack of connectivity between the three midfielders and the three strikers and just having some type of like link up, link up player in there, I think could make a, could, could make a difference or, and, and solve a bit of the Odegaard Smith Rowe thing. I don't know. He's fast as well. He's very fast. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's sort of, that's sort of what we need because it just, the ball just seems to stop. It seems to get to one of the front three and then, and then they can't seem to interchange or, or, or play together in some way. Yeah, uh, like, I'm sure that Arteta's got that in mind for the future at some point. Um, but because he really does have to fix this fast, I, like, and hopefully the North London derby, everything comes together. Um, and I'm so glad that we won today because you go into the North London derby with the fans on side. I know the fans will always be on side, but you don't want people like tutting when things aren't going quite their way. And I think if we'd lost today, we might have had a bit of that. So I saw um, one of the comments saying, do you think there's less pressure on Arteta to provide a result against Spurs now that we've got two wins or is it still do or die? Uh, what do you think? I think the Spurs game is what everyone's waiting for. Yeah. I think the Spurs game is is what everybody at the training ground is going to be thinking about. It's a cup final. It was a cup final last season for Arteta. They They were all thinking about that weeks before it's like, you got to win the North London derby. Arteta knows what's on the line there. And I, it, it, it won't be curtains for Arteta if he loses a North London derby. But if he wins it, then he's got the fans on side until Christmas. Yep. And he doesn't have, you know, he's, the fans are on side, but they're doubting it. And if, you, if he wins three games on the bounce after the shocking start, then there's a little bit of vindication for the notion of, you know, a COVID outbreak, uh, masses of injuries and not having your summer done, but it, it, it needs to have a big game and it needs to be exciting football. It needs to be a big performance, um, and I think if he gets that, that that will give him a safety net with the fans, and that's really what he needs at the moment, in my opinion. 
And and do you think that well, there's any chance of seeing Martinelli in any sort of role in the next few games, or is he just well fallen completely out of favour? Because it seems bizarre to me that we've got this talent who he can't even get on the pitch at the moment. But he, but he he got his chance and he was awful. I, know. I mean that's that, that's the reality that people don't want to like. It was Arteta killed Martinelli. No, <laughs> if you get a chance, you've got to take it. And against Brentford, he was awful. He was really, really bad, and that's not that's not top level opposition. So I don't I don't know whether he's fallen off a little bit. I'm sure he'll come back into the team. But again, this is the this is what happens with young players. They they go through crises of confidence. Um, you know, they lose themselves for a bit, and then they come roaring back, and then they're better for it. But I think he is lacking confidence um, at the moment. And uh, you know, if he gets given an opportunity against. Spurs and he comes on with 15 minutes to go. He's got to do something with it because we haven't seen um, the first, you know, the first, the first bit of Martinelli when he burst onto the scene and scored all those goals. We haven't seen that player for a very long time. I know, sad, isn't it? It is sad. Um, let's move on to uh, the, the centre back performances. Oh, big, big questions before the game, Matt. Big questions. It was uh, there was only one question really. Can Ben White head the ball? Right, everyone was like, Ben White is going to get number one. He's going to get bullied because he looks like the sort of person that you'd want to bully. Um, and number two, he's only six foot, and he won't be able to deal with the aerial duels. So, do you want to do you want a few little stats, Matt? Yeah, I'm going to hit you with some stats. Okay, uh, so uh, Ben White, from an aerial perspective, who made the most headed clearances today? Ben White. Ben White, six out of six. Uh, defensive aerial duels. Um, ben White and Gabriel had uh, both won four, but Ben White won four of seven. Uh, Gabriel only won four of ten. So I suspect Gabriel's taking on a, you know, he's obviously taking on a little bit more responsibility, but Ben White toe to toe with Gabriel today, which was a positive. Tommy Yasu. Four, four, four jewels, and he won all four of them. So, an impressive day out for Ben White and Gabrielle with those long balls into the box. And um, and weirdly, Ben White struggled on the floor. That was where he was poor today, right? And somebody said that it was a bit of a Mustafi performance. But you know that that will get better. So, tell me. Um, firstly, give me your assessment on what you thought of Ben White in a really difficult game, which could have been his kryptonite. And then secondly, what do you think of the, the new partnership between Ben White and Gabriel? Well, let's just start at the beginning. I think there's probably not a worse game for a defender to come into than Burnley away. It reminds me of when uh, Robert Pires came to the club and I think they were playing at like Sunderland away on the, on the first game of the season and Wenger put him on the bench and just told him to watch and he basically went white because it was just like the rough and tumble of it all. Yeah. And I think Burnley are basically, you know, if, if, you, were, if you were worried about Sunderland away, then imagine turf, imagine what you would have made as turf more. It's about as rough and, rough and tumble as you get. And we all saw those clips in the week of Burnley going in on players and it's just, they seem to get away with it because it's just what Burnley do. It's sort of their up and... No, no red card in 109 games. Yeah, I mean... Staggering. It, it's... We... we, we it, that they operate within, to be fair to them, they operate within the very, very limits of the laws, I think. And and you've got to respect that they play hard and that they've built that reputation and they stood in the Premier League on very limited means and resources. So you've got to respect that. 
but it's not where you want to go. And you're going to face a lot of long balls. Everything is going to be a duel. Everything's going to be a fight. I think the only positive is you absolutely know what you're going to get before. <laughs> it's not like yeah. you turn up and you're surprised and you're like, oh, what's going on? They're, they're being really rough. It's like, yeah, you knew what was going to happen. And I'm sure all week they've been preparing for that. Um, and I think the defence were, a new defence was, was, was pretty outstanding, to be honest. Um, I think more than anything, um, it was the fact that they worked together as a team throughout. Um, because normally you can see goals when there's a breakdown in communication and the gaps between players. Yeah. There was really good communication. Everyone was really up for it. Um, so Ben White obviously had a really, really good game, I thought. But I think Gabrielle just offers, there's two things. Gabrielle offers that extra bit of aggression. You know, he was shouting, he was aggressive. I don't really care about the stats. I just care about, he looked like he was marshalling that defence and he made sure that everyone was up for the fight. Because let's face it, we're not always up for the fight. And Cal Chambers, yes. I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to belittle him, but... He's not a guy you really want in the trenches when you've got launch balls coming in left, right and centre. And Gabriel, they were up for the fight. Anytime any player was giving it, they were straight over there. There was that moment where Tierney went down with cramp and Gabriel was right over in his face straight away as they were trying to lift, lift him up. So that, I think that made a difference. I think the other thing that the, the X factor is Ramsdale. No, we're going to talk about him after. You don't get onto Ramsdale. You're I, won't, on I, won't get, I won't get onto him, but I think it's much easier for defenders to defend well when there's effective communication between all the members of the back four, and and that and that really really felt the case. I mean, I mean, if you look at the whole defence, I mean, Tierney was the the, the, the least positive performance. He was he was okay, um, but you know he wasn't at his best. And that's a good sign because normally he's, our, he's, our, he's, he's the only one we want to keep. So, you know, the, the re-engineered defence looks positive and it's going to be about keeping them fit, uh, keeping the backups. Like we're playing AFC Wimbledon. Let's get Cal Chambers in there. Let's get, um, let's get uh, Rob Holding in there. Let's keep them like focused and ready because they're going to have to step in. We, we, we've always got injuries, but this first choice defence is looking, looking positive. Yeah, the... The, the Ben White-Gabriel partnership, I think, is going to be a really, really exciting partnership. You know, um, G- Gabriel he slipped under the radar. We did a, um, we did a poll with YouGov on the, on the website, and Gabriel was in the, in the top five players. Bit of a forgotten man, and he's come back, and he's the defender that we had at the start of last season. I, I, get, um, I get shades of Sol Campbell from, like, a, a, you know, how physically imposing he is. You know, Sol Campbell was a scary man because he, you know, he just imposed himself on people. And then I get, um, I get shades of Colo Torre with the putting, putting it all on the line. Colo Torre would throw his body uh, like, you know, a grenade and he, he'd take one for the team. And some of the last ditch stuff that Gabriel does, it's, it's exciting to watch. And he lost his confidence after he got COVID at Christmas. Didn't come back the same player. And it took a, it's taken a while to rebuild that. But I thought it was a towering performance today. And, you know, he did a bit of mopping up for Ben White. And Ben White was not good on the ball today. He didn't have the same confidence that he had in the first game. I think, um, I just don't think he was, I don't think he was quite there mentally today. But he he is very quick to the ball. And what he lacks in height, he makes up for 
um, with sharpness to the ball because he's so fast. He nips in front like a lot. He made a lot of interceptions um, today. I, I think the passing will get better. The passing is not what I was worried about. It was more is Ben White the player that gets bullied by Lukaku uh, and those sort of players. But it doesn't appear that you know they they both stood up to to the fight today. Also wanted a, another mention for Tommy Asu. Uh, he is uh, he's not as spectacular as Tierney, but he's just solid. He's just a solid defender, like very um, very tough physically. Like someone coming over from Serie A to adapt to the pace of the league, like he has. I mean, it's phenomenal, uh, and. You know he's he's tall. He can behave like a centre back when you need him to. Um, he's got good passing. Starting to get a bit of a, a relationship. He's got a better relationship with Pepe now than any of the right backs had previously. So I'm looking at the the defenders on the pitch now, and like this is a this is a solid group of players. And even Tavares, it oh, comes I on. He was fantastic when he came on. What was that run? It was it it, it was like a it was like a superhero run. He just like whooshed up the pitch. I mean, his decision making in the final third is obviously not there at the moment. But if you can, uh, if you can harness that, yeah, he looks harness like that energy. Like my word, he's exciting. He's he's exciting. But I think that the Tommy Yasu is absolutely spot on. And you know, we've always had our best teams have always had a solid, dependable right back. You know, uh, yes, Lee, Lee Dixon. Yeah, um, not not the world's best footballer, but Arsenal's best ever right back. Uh, Lauren, you know, he, unspectacular but unbelievably reliable. Yeah, and I think I think first and foremost, and, 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 Bakery. and, and fullbacks have changed, and they people expect more from them from an attacking sense. But I do think that the general structure is you've got one marauding attacking fullback, and you've got one solid dependable fullback. That seems that, that was always the way Wenger used to do it. It's it's the way we see it a lot. And and especially when you want to play that inverted role, so that you can, they can come in and drop into centre mid. So you know he looks good as well. But I don't want to start comparing people to Sol Campbell and Lee Dixon after two too far. Yeah, <laughs> I, I took it too far. I just get carried away after two games because that's just, it's just that's that's the problem that we Arsenal fans have. It's like yeah. we, we get two wins and then we're like top fours back on. <laughs> you know, I know. Yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 beat, we'll beat Spurs and then, you know, could we win the league this year? And it's just, we've got to just understand where we are in the process. But there's a group of players, there's something brewing. Um, whether, the one thing that we, we don't see yet is that just total leadership that we're going to need if you want to really challenge from defence. Yeah, maybe, who is it? Maybe, who, who is that leadership? I mean, I, get, we're, we're, I guess we're hoping that Gabriel can do that, but you know, um, where's our Martin Keown? Where's our Tony Adams? You know, uh, even where's our Mertesacker? Who's who's who, a level below like the Keowns and the Adams? But who's gonna who's gonna not just shout and scream, but marshal and organise and lead? Yeah, and and that's that's the player we're gonna we're gonna wait and see who can who can do that. And, and I know someone said, oh, Tierney can be that person, but. I think Tierney's more of a motivator and energizer rather than an organizer. And I think defensively, you need a great organizer at the back. And maybe, and we'll come on to that, but, you know, maybe, maybe Ramsdale is also going to help on that, on that basis as well, because organization defensively, especially at set pieces, and it's, it's, it's super crucial, you know. Sam Dean, very good journalist, a young journalist at the, at the Telegraph. 
reckons that Arsenal statistically have the tallest defence in the Premier League. Interesting. It's like the, the little details in how they recruited this summer are, are interesting. Like Tommy Asu's height is it feels like uh, it feels like that was intentional. Tavares, the height, it feels like that was intentional. So uh, well, I think you know how many and it helped today. How many years have we been a sucker to a ball a long ball down the middle? Oh. Like, yeah, we can dominate a game for 87 minutes and then someone hoofs the ball down the pitch and we come unstuck. So, do you remember the days of Wenger? He was like, uh, Tom, Tommy Vermalen signed, and he was like, and they were like, is he a bit small? And Wenger was like, he has a tremendous leap. <laughs> he didn't, well, <laughs> it didn't, I mean, didn't, didn't, didn't really help. Well, I mean, Mascarano played at center half of Barcelona against all the top teams and was all right. So, you can make very it true. Play. You can make it work. It's not just about that. But um, Cannavaro, I like the idea that we're we're. But look, think about it less in terms of like inches of height and more about physicality and being up for the fight. And today we didn't look. It didn't look like men versus boys in the way that it did against Chelsea and City. Yes. It looked like we were we had the, we had the the physical ability to go toe to toe. Uh, Agree. So, that's so let let's segue into the hot topic. I'm sad Johnny's not here. And Johnny, if you're listening, I would love to be having this conversation with you, and I will have this conversation with you. Hey, it's John. You want to look and feel your very best? Visit the team at Cool Contours. They are the number one cool sculpting provider in Virginia. Their award-winning team of certified cool sculpting elite and cool tone specialists work with you to create a fully customized treatment plan to achieve your dream body. Learn more at cool-contours.com. That's cool-contours.com. As ranked by Allergen in June 2021, cool sculpting elite is FDA cleared to visible fat ball just nine areas of the body. Some common side effects include temporary numbness, discomfort, and swelling. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale, my man of the match. You know, Aaron Ramsdale got there's so so much uh, nasty stuff on the internet when we were going to sign him. So much nasty stuff. And you know what? He's a nice guy. He's doing videos for kids whose parents have died of cancer in the week. Um, it, it, all the fans in the ground that were there the week before were telling me, you can hear him. Everybody loves him in the ground. But he needed a performance. He needed a performance to say... I'm actually pretty good at this goalkeeping stuff. Oh, my word. That was today because, you know, a good goalkeeping performance for me is not stopping 26 shots. It is all the things that Arsenal have lacked since Jens Lehmann. Dominant in the box, vocal. Um, not. I don't, I don't know whether scary is the right word for Aaron Ramsdale, but he won't. He's, he, he wasn't pushed around. That they were, like he, Aaron Ramsdale will never get pinned in the box like Bert Leno did. Um, good kicking and fast decisions. And I thought Aaron Ramsdale had it all today. Some of those high balls, I was a goalkeeper, Matt. I was terrible. And my, the biggest fear that I had is when someone would loop a ball up and it would come directly down to you. It's so hard because the wind moves and you can't get your angles. And I was, I was terrible at it. And I, I still have nightmares about those balls into the box. He was just plucking them out the air. Like it was, I thought that performance today was fantastic, and uh, I'm going to gush over him in this next two minutes. So you you tell me, is Aaron Ramsdale looking like uh, a counterpoint to to the Burnt Leno reign over the last two years? What do you think? 
I think someone said that they're a Ramsdalian in, 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 the, in the comments. And I think, I love that. I think we're all Ramsdalians now. Um, and look, it's what's not to love. Um, he's, he's been dominant. He's been vocal. He looks, he's an Arsenal fan. He's been organising. Um, he's brave. He's really brave. He is brave, yeah. Um, and I think, and I think that's one of the things that people like about. Him. I think that he, the best footballers are the people are the ones that don't overthink things and have like that natural innate confidence in what they do and their ability. And I think that he has got that confidence in what he does. Um, he doesn't seem phased. I don't think he's the kind of guy who lets things bother him. Um, he's definitely not like that. This is the sort of the Senderos type who would just sort of dwell on a mistake and it became like a weight on his shoulders. He's much more just understands what it is and how to do it. So a lot, of, a lot of positives. Um, and I think he's got a lot of assets that Bert Leno doesn't have. And yeah. I, think, I think, I think we just didn't realize how, how bad things had got with Bert Leno. And I don't think it's down particularly to Leno himself. And I think he's a good shot stopper and a decent goalkeeper. I think it was just a number of things. I think that the goalkeeping coach, just maybe just the lack of motivation over a period of time, and um, playing in front of a, a poor defense, playing behind a poor defense, like like all of these things. But I think I think um, Ramsdale has hunger that Leno doesn't, and I think that that hunger is infectious. And and we need people in the club who have who are hungry to change things and to win. I think Leno was part of the old narrative, which is we're Arsenal, this is what we do. We win some, we lose some. I'll, I'll, I'll focus on my performance and I'll try and do my best. Whereas I think Ramsdale has that like naivete of like a new player who's like, let's get Arsenal back on top. I want yes. to be the number one shirt. I want to lead from the front. I can see myself here for the next 10 years. Let's go and make it happen. And I'm not going to let anyone or anything stop me. So, yeah, I mean, he's he, a huge fan of his. I think, again, it's way too early to, to, to really judge. I yeah. Mean, there's a little bit of the Chesney about him. Um, the good Chesney? Yeah, the good Chesney. Um, but, you know, we'll find out whether he's got a bit of the bad Chesney about him as well because the good Chesney came in, similar age, similar personality, big, big personality, unflappable unfazed um, and the piece that undid Chesney was maybe you know smoking in the shower well there was that but I was, <laughs> was going to say more broadly like a little bit of a lack of discipline aligned with, that, that comes with like that optimism and positivity and confidence and exuberance yeah and so and Bert Leno's disciplined I think you can safely say that about Leno so the question is going to be can Aaron Ramsdale also and also just have that sort of discipline as well as being all those really, really positive things. And, and, and there's no reason why he can't. And the fact that, you know, he's, uh, he's, 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 he's had such a good start is positive. And someone's again on, in the comments said, you know, the new number two was a monster for Estonia against Wales and looks like a great number two. So suddenly the whole goalkeeping situation is, uh, is looking better. Yeah, I, I actually want to go back to one of your points that you made earlier about the special source with defence is having a goalkeeper that can get you out of jail. And having a goalkeeper, I, I, I think the number one attribute to have 
as, as a Premier League goalkeeper is the ability to claim crosses. All the best goalkeepers in the Premier League are brutes in the area because you're dealing with a lot of high balls and it's difficult. A lot of continental keepers struggle with that when they come over. Um, and Bert Leno, you know, just look at the, the Man City goal, the you know, back post uh, inside his six-yard box and doesn't come out to claim that. And someone like Aaron Ramsdale does. I think there was some some shaky elements in the game. Some of the, like the, the kicking sometimes looks, um, it's very ambitious and he's going to get caught out like Chesney. You know, there were, there were a couple of moments where um, he could have ended up with egg on his face, so that dangerous playing out of the back. You know, there will be moments in the season where he gets caught out, but I just love the character. I love that he, he is actually a leader on the pitch. You know, two leaders on the pitch today that I saw, Aaron Ramsdale, um, willing people on and taking responsibility when pressure um, ramped up towards the end. And uh, Martin Odegaard, you know, like willing the team on, you know, like th- those those players that create relationships on the pitch. And I think um, Gabriel as well. Uh, uh, Gabriel, yeah. So um, I, I thought Aaron Ramsdale was a real positive today. And I love that he's having those performances. I love the players that people didn't really know about are showing up. And it's early days, like you say, but the vitriol aimed at some of our transfer business this summer, not due to players being poor, but just because people didn't know who they were. And I'm, I'm glad that Aaron Ramsdale is sort of like starting to turn people's opinions. So uh, let's, let's hope he can do it against Spurs so that there isn't a massive well, I think, spill I, into the net. I think the other thing is like things got so bad that uh, the club had to come out and explain the vision and the strategy. Well, that's the way they looked at it. They said, things have got so bad, we need to come out and explain our strategy. But... I don't. I mean, I think that was a stupid decision because I think they should have. They, they, if, if they, if they'd been more focused and told us the strategy earlier, that would have helped. But, yeah. but I think the reality is everyone knows what the plan is now, and yeah. no one likes the word transition season. And I think we absolutely don't want to say transition season. But now that we know the plan, we've essentially got a free run this year. Like no one's expecting anything, and actually. Not that it was ever a positive, but just having such a calamitous start has now taken any expectation of the whole season. So it's really just about getting to work and seeing what our season will be judged by how much we can improve between the, the, the Man City game and the end of the season. And the great thing is the Man City game, the bar was so low. Yeah. And now we're just, it's, it's all about measuring how much we can improve for, 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 for the season. Yeah, the, the uh, Arsenal's fear of telling us what's going on is absolutely baffling because, uh, you know, it's difficult to hear that, you know, it's a young team and it's going to take a while. But as soon as you as soon as you bring fans into the conversation and let them understand, tell them where it's going, give, you know, it can't be a forever timeline. But if it's like, look, we can't afford to buy Jack Grealish and hope that he takes us to the Champions League. Not a good strategy. So we're going to buy young players. We're going to develop them with world-class coaching. And in a year, they're going to bang and they're going to be competing for top four. But you just got to bear with us this this one season because there's going to be ups and downs. And these players need you because if they're feeling confident and they're getting like away day support has was fantastic. The home support has been fantastic. Partly a counterpoint to some of the sort of Arsenal fan TV Tweets, I think. Arsenal fans are like, we're not bad fans. We're, we're good fans in the ground. They should have done that at the start of the summer, not when 
it was a complete calamity. So, and I actually think that Arteta's sort of um, his PR offensive this week is has been valuable as well. So, um, before we uh, before we go, I wanted to talk about one last thing: uh, Sambi Lakonga and Ainsley uh, yeah. made their way onto the pitch, and I thought they did a fantastic job. But I, I just want to talk about the the symbolism. Of Ainsley, you've you've had a lot to say about Arteta and like some of the spiteful edge that comes across when he falls out with players. Ainsley uh, dropped a, a grenade on him at the end of the season, kept his place, and he's been introduced into the side. What do you think this says about um, Arteta and learning from past mistakes? And what did you think of the performance? Well, let's let's start at the beginning. I think one of the criticisms of Arteta has been in-game management. So yeah. a lot of people have said, you know, his, his in-game management has been poor. We've seen, we've, seen, we've seen things about to go wrong and he's never done anything to, to resolve the issue in, in recent times, especially when fans have been back in. Ironically, his in-game management when the stadiums were empty and we had those water breaks was actually, was actually really, really good. So, so we've seen a bit of both, but we haven't seen any good in-game management for a while, mainly because we probably haven't had any... Our bench has been so weak. I mean... You can't really do in-game management if you don't have any good players to bring on uh, and, fix, yeah, and, and, fix, and fix the problem. But we're beginning to get a bit of a, a bit of a squad back. And he brought on Lukonga and Maitland-Niles. And, you know, there was, there was actually some really, really good controlled football in, in, in patches in the last 10 minutes or so that they bought with, like, their strength and... I thought they both came on and they looked really, really focused on what they had to do. Maitland-Niles especially was just like really snappy, good, t- good first touches, finding his man, finding space, always available. Um, and I think he's too good a footballer to disregard. And I'm, and I'm glad that Arteta is playing him. Now, what we don't know is whether Arteta, is, we know Arteta is, is vindictive and whether the first moment that he can, he gets rid of him. That it would it would also not surprise me if I'd, if Maitland Niles got sold at Christmas to Everton, like that could easily happen as well. So so again, we don't know, but the fact that there has there appears to have been some type of softening in Arteta's general style since the humbling at, at Man City. Yeah, in press conferences, we've seen it in the way he's treating players. We've seen it in the language that he's using. It's a positive, and hopefully, what he sees is that the fans and hopefully as well, the players prefer him to be like that. And that it's not, a sign, yeah. and that it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength to be adaptable and flexible and give people second chances when they deserve them in the best interests of the team. And Maitland Niles is not a Gwendozy, you know, he's not, no. he, he's, it's, it's pretty clear from the outset that Maitland Niles is a guy who needs to feel loved. He's, yes, he's not. A, he's not a. You talk about the carrot and the stick. He's definitely not the kind of person who you're going to get better performances out of by hitting him with a stick. He's a guy who needs to feel loved, needs to feel wanted, and when you do that, he'll deliver for you. And I'm sure that's why it worked with Arsene Wenger to to, to some extent. So, you know, I think that's what Arteta's got to realize: different management techniques for different players. But yeah, it looked good when they came on and positive, and the, the squads feeling more rounded. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, look, some, some, some good news. And you forget that Lukonga was, was captain of Anderlecht last year at age, age 20. 
for um, Vincent Company. And I don't think you do that if, and I think um, Henri uh, recommended him yep. as well. So, and, so, so I think he'll be he'll be he'll be a pretty regular. He's going to be a star by by, by by Christmas. Yeah, and the uh, I you know one on the subs. It was nice going into the last twenty minutes of the game with just pure athletes on the pitch, proper athletes, powerful, fast, high levels of technical ability, and it, like it, it, like some of the some of the counter attacking, like the swarming um, of Burnley. It was really, really exciting to watch. And I, I like going back to it, I, we haven't seen a team of proper athletes in such a long time at Arsenal. So that was exciting. And on the, um, you know, I, I, I wax lyrical about Sambi Lekonga all the time. I think he's going to be an absolute superstar. But I, I think there's been a big softening of Arteta over the last few weeks. So whatever's gone on behind the scenes, more of it, please. I've loved the reintroduction of Ainsley um, into, into midfield. It's an easy win for the fans. And part of your job is to develop players that aren't perfect. And so that was a win. Jack Wilshire coming back to train. Just a nut, It's just beautiful PR. I don't think Arteta considers that last season, but he's attuned to what's going on in culture. And it just warms us. Doing the little fan forum thing that he did with the fans, answering difficult questions. Again, it's like, just bring us in, man. Just, just br- bring us into what the fuck is going on. Don't like give us all these sort of ambiguous answers. Complain about the squad. Don't pump the young players. So, I think like bringing the mood up is part of what Arteta's got to do over the next few weeks. And the best way to do that is a North London derby win. So, um, we'll we'll stay tuned for that one, Matt. I am mean, so excited. We've obviously got AFC Wimbledon on Wednesday. Yeah, and so that's just like you just got to find the team that's good enough to win because you know even even a defeat in the League Cup can. Get, get all the trolls out, you know. So we, we've got to win that, but we should. Charlie Patino might be making a debut. Yeah, that would be uh, really interesting, wouldn't it? Looks a little bit like uh, shades of Jack and Sesk oh. combined into a super talent. No, don't don't pump the players too much. <laughs> the new Sesk is arriving. I've heard he's the new Messi. Yes, I, I, he, but he's uh, the, the, the guy that discovered Jack Wilshire reckons that he's, he's the most exciting player that's been through Hale End. Amazing that we've had such a production line. I mean, honestly, what has gone on? What are they putting in the water in North London? Quite incredible. Well, I'll, I'll, I've always told you that story, but when I met Arsene Wenger after the FA Youth Cup final, when Jack Wilshire starred and we won 4-0, and we, we had a great team. It looked like a great team. And I said to Arsene Wenger afterwards, I said, who do you think is going to make it? I think uh, Jay Emmanuel Thomas has scored two goals. And he goes, Jack Wilshire, 100%. He goes, Jay Emmanuel Thomas could have made it, but a better centre half. <laughs> and he just scored two goals up front, which is just classic banger. Um, but you never know. I, I think the point is you never know. And the jump from from youth to uh, the the pro levels is as much about mental strength as it is about technical ability. It's also got a, a lot to do with luck. Um, you know, if you if you get a couple an assist in your in your in your first game, we get Saka got all got those early assists and early goals, and he was just flying from there. Whereas, how many players have we seen with 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 high potential who've just struggled to turn it into end product early on and then just just drifted out? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, look no further than Reese Nelson. Reese Nelson, and I'm, I'm you know I'm, we're haunted by the ghost of Zelalem. You know, Gideon Zellalem. My word, Wenger. I remember hearing that Wenger loved Zellalem so much that he tried to take him on a tour, and they were like, "He's 
he's 15 he can't you can't do this mr venger <laughs> then he disappeared right like uh, they they said that he was one of the fittest players that had ever passed through the club or something crazy like that and uh, is he at rangers i don't even know where he is no idea no that's idea what I mean. that's what i mean yeah that's what i mean so um, but that that would be a fun game um uh just a just a quick note Thank you to everybody that jumps on these. We had people on the YouTube channel before it went live. We really appreciate you tuning into the show. We love the fact that you're listening to the podcast, leaving nice comments. Um, it goes a long way. We love it. And uh, we'll try and keep these up all season. Um, Matt, I won't ask where people can find you on the, the socials, but it's at Matt Candela yep. um, for, uh, for, for, for business design and Arsenal. And um, on that note... Yeah, mainly Arsenal. We'll have a hopefully there'll be a big win against Wimbledon, and then you and I will be on the on the whistle uh, after the North London derby next week for I'm, uh, for, I'm a already fun, excited. for a big one. Johnny's going to be back. It's going to be the three of us reunited. Um, if you're listening to uh, this on podcast, get on that iTunes store, give us a five star rating. Nothing lower than a five. Thank you very much. And, and on that note, a ciao for now. Peacock streaming the biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56, the 2022 Winter Olympics, and the Peacock Original Bel Air. Plus, the new movie, Marry Me, in theaters and streaming Valentine's Day. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.